Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIP. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and investment advisor with over 20 years' experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates, also a Dave Ramsey local provider, have an MBA in finance, and I've been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. And I'm Gordon Leopard, financial advisor with Richard Young Associates. Good to be here today, guys. Yeah, good morning. It is. Right. It's a great day to be here talking about money, and we got some exciting topics to talk about. Before we get into that, we're glad to have you listening to us today on our weekly radio show. We are right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. Yeah, you can also go to our website, moneymd.net. Uh, we have a link in the top right-hand corner. You can click on it. You can stream it. Um, obviously, go to the the dial twelve thirty a.m. and also the podcast. A lot of favorable comments on that. If you're not able to to listen to us and tune in Saturday mornings, you can listen at a later time that's convenient to you. So. Exactly, all on our website moneymd.net. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Well, guys, we do have an awesome show lined up today. One of the questions is, are you smarter than a fifth grader? <laughs> I don't right. know. It depends on the I was going to say, subject. can we plead the fifth on that? <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to see. I mean, we've got 12 money skills here we're going to talk about oh, that okay. even a fifth grader should know and can know. Now, they don't necessarily know it, so these are things you need to teach your kids. But these are really important, and quite frankly, most adults don't get these, okay? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you need to tune in. You need to listen to these 12 skills. Make sure you're conquering them. Make sure you're teaching them to your kids. These are critical to having a foundation in getting your financial house in order. Yeah, yeah this was a good article, Steve. Good. Yeah, it is. It's it's good information. We're going to follow that up with a an article about international equities. We seem to uh, talk about that pretty frequently because, you know, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. If you look at the last, um, you know, really five to seven years, U.S. has been pretty dominant. And so a lot of people are questioning, why would you invest in international? So a really good article uh, out of Fidelity that uh, addresses why you want to have international um, in, in the mix. So we'll we'll tackle that issue. Yeah, that's a good yeah, one. And, and then we're going to sink our teeth into Bad. there you go all right into uh visiting the dentist if you're thinking about retiring you may want to schedule an appointment with your dentist <clears throat> yeah and and my doctor too and and doctor and your well. advisor and that's their advisor right. Right. but we're gonna we're gonna kind of tie all that together and see why that's important yeah uh, that's and, a good in good, the end good topic good article yeah Okay, well, we're going to start off here, though, with the financial fact of the week. And this comes from the Urban Institute. And, and guys, we talk about um, this math stuff. It, it, it all boils down to math, right? It when does. We're talking There's about these l- government programs. A it's, lot of simple things it, boil down to math. Very, okay. very simple. So here's the, here's the financial fact. An average working couple in America that turns 65 years old this year is projected to receive about $427,000 of benefits of Medicare benefits over their lifetime. Wow. However, um, they only put in 141,000. That's three times 
more benefits than what they put in. And we sit there and we wonder why Medicare is in shambles. It's just not working. That doesn't work mathematically, does it? It, it doesn't work out real well. That, that leads to a deficit. That's right. What that really means, though, is it's not going to happen because it, it can't happen. You know, I mean, we can't afford it as a country. So I would say if you're retiring today, enjoy your medical benefits, enjoy Medicare, because Medicare will not be the same 20 years from now. They just can't be. They've got to make changes. I mean, at some point, unfortunately, the the math doesn't work for a lot of the government programs. And, you know, you look at Greece as a great example. You know, at some point you have to make changes. Your creditors will come back and. Um, you know, they won't lend you any more money. And we, we can't wait till we get to the end of that rope. Oh, I agree. I my, agree. You know, my, prediction, those my prediction is that when we're drawing Medicare, you and me, you know, we turned 70, 65, start drawing Medicare, if we can still get it at 65, we're going to be treated by like an RN at Walmart for heart disease. <laughs> yeah. You know, seriously, it's going to be like socialized medicine. Yeah, you know, yeah. If you can't pay out of pocket and get a get a real doctor for something serious, it's going to be like you're in Russia. And you know, I've seen this because we mm-hmm. had an exchange student, Taya, that you know she her mother's a doctor, and we we kind of get an inside view of what's going on there. Yeah, yeah. And for socialized medicine, and you know, very very serious things, you you go to somebody that gets paid less than. Less than the average person, mm-hmm. you know, that's considered a doctor for for very serious things, and you get very substandard care. Lines outside the door at the clinic. Yeah, mm. um, that's what you're going to get with Medicare. Thanks you for know? the positive spin there, Mister. Sorry, Marvel. that's that's the future of Medicare. Well, <laughs> so you're negative today. We need to get a positive. Hey, you know, the, this happy pill. The positive yeah, really. thing <laughs> is we won't be running this huge deficit in Medicare because we can't. Yeah. We can't afford it. And you're so. you're probably real optimistic about Clemson football right now too. So <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, there's some things I'm optimistic about, John, yeah, and yeah. that would be one of them. Okay, all right. <laughs> Compared we're to Carolina, I was going to say, speaking of Medicare, uh, hopefully Watson will be able to stay healthy this year. <laughs> that's you know, for you guys. Let's hope so. Yeah, all right. That's another whole topic though that's a, n- right. another show <laughs> on to uh on to our real topics um are you smarter than a fifth grader yeah i mean here are 12 money skills even a fifth grader should know and you certainly should know and if your fifth grader doesn't know them you need to teach them to them Take some and that's notes. the that's the key yep. here you need to teach these money skills to your kids make sure that you've mastered them that you're displaying them to your kids um, this comes out of an article out of the Frugal Shopper uh, that is based on Catherine Ford and um, U.S. News and World Report. And, you know, there unfortunately, there is a serious lack of financial education in our country, which makes it more important than ever for parents to teach the basic money lessons to their children. You know, and although some financial topics can be challenging, you might be surprised what your children can absorb. Um, from about the age of five on, children really can start to understand some of the basic concepts like saving and spending. And as they get a little older, they can learn the more technical skills for like budgeting and even investing. Um, so even young children can begin to grasp the difference between a need and a want. And, of course, these are skills that most adults, unfortunately, haven't mastered as well. But, you know, even a fifth grader can and should grasp these basic concepts. So question is, are you smarter than a fifth grader? Do you understand these concepts yourself? Here are 12 money lessons your kids can learn from age 12 on, and every adult should know them by now. 
The first one on the list is defining a need versus a want. Oh, that's a hard one. That's a good one, though. It, it is. It really foundational. is. It is foundational. It is critical. You're exactly right. I mean, this is step one for teaching your kids great financial habits that will carry them throughout their life. Um, they have to know what's a necessity and what's a luxury. Of course, you know, most adult Americans are having trouble distinguishing this too. I mean, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Food, water, basic shelter, clothes, necessity, right? Nintendo, Nike shoes, designer jeans, iPhone, luxury. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, they need to get that. You know, so you're it, saying the HBO package isn't uh, I, a need? No, that would be luxury, John. Sure? That's, that's wow. Yeah, ouch. Come down ouch. hard now. Yeah, no uh, no football game That's tickets. right. Even Carolina football tickets, that's luxury, a, oh, John. Man. Don't need them. Don't need them. I'd say that's even a frivolous luxury. <laughs> that's that's like a wasteful luxury, <laughs> As actually. As long as you get them on a good price, which I may be able to. It's not year. even a luxury. That'd be like a penalty, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's a good exercise for everyone to go over what, the needs are versus wants from time to time talk to your kids you know ask them to point out things in the house that are needs or wants and and that will help them to reemphasize this skill but they need to learn this early on and that is a great way to start i mean that is um such a basic item it It really is is. and um second one here is, is how to budget i mean budgeting is one of life's most essential skill skills it's right up there with you know, learning how to do your own laundry or making a simple dinner. So when you teach a child to budget, uh, or better yet, have them learn from your budgeting skills, uh, you'll give them a lifetime of financial security. I mean, teach them how to prioritize and allocate the money um, that they get from birthdays or, or Christmas, um, and uh, teach them how to save for short-term goals and long-term goals. They're not too young to learn that. It, it, isn't it what Dave says, uh, stay out of debt act your wage yeah that's right you know, exactly. i love that saying yeah that's right and he has a game that that yeah, uh, act your wage it's yeah. a board game that's right it's another yeah. great way to learn yep yeah so for kids there are some great tools like that out there to help them learn some of these skills yeah number three here on the list is how to track your spending um again that kind of goes along with budgeting but it's the other side of budgeting it's knowing where your money actually goes and that's one of the first steps to staying afloat is to know where the leaks are You know, you can't manage your money if you don't know where it's going. So if your child earns, say, $10, um, but they don't know where it went after a few days, it's time to encourage them to keep track of where their money goes and where they spend it. You know, they can record it by hand. Um, They can type it in their iPhones. You know, there are good apps for iPhones. If they have have a phone, not necessarily an iPhone, that would be a luxury. We've already covered (laughs) that. Just a smartphone in general. Just a smartphone or a computer, you know. There's budget apps, you know, like Mint.com, if they're old enough to have, you know, and handle that kind of thing. Um, But that's an essential skill that most adults never, ever grasp. Well, that and that carries on over into the next one uh, that we're talking about here, how to save for large purchases. Um, It's one thing to have a budget and to know where it's going, but it's something else to know how to save and be disciplined to save for large purchases. Um, In a world where adults are frequently offered 0% store cards, you know, everywhere you turn, there's another great deal. Or don't pay, you know, for 18 or 24 months, you know, 0% financing. Uh, It's important to teach your child how to save for large purchases. Um, Not too long ago, both of my girls, they they bought... um, two rather large toy items and i asked their mom i asked my wife i said where did they where did they buy this from she said 
with their own money. And I, I was kind of taken aback, wow, and I great. really, I didn't realize how much money they had saved over the last two months. Yeah. And they still had quite a bit left over, so that they yeah. didn't just spend all the money that they had because we have them break it up into saving, spending, and giving. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, so I was, I was proud that neither one of them quite fifth graders, but they're getting it. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, well, um, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD. The money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with both of us. And we are continuing our discussion here um, before the break about are you smarter than a fifth grader? <laughs> Guys, and, um, you know, most adults are not, quite frankly, when it comes to money skills. Uh, You know, these are 12 money skills that certainly every adult should know, but even a fifth grader should know. And you need to teach them to your kids. I mean, that's really the point here. You know, at, at, at age five on, you can teach them some significant skills that they will carry forward with them the rest of their life. And these are important skills that will get them on the road to financial freedom right from the get-go. So they won't have to, you know, go through the hard knocks of life financially and get way in debt and, and dig a deep hole that they have to dig out of that takes them 10 years into their yeah. adult life. Teach them some simple concepts early. Early that, on. And even when they do run into those issues, you know, they'll be able to deal with them much better. Exactly, exactly. And the first one here on the list was defining a need versus a want. I mean, you have to be able to do that. You can teach your five-year-old the difference between, you know, something that they don't need and and basic food, water, and shelter, and clothing, and that kind of stuff. You know, how to budget. Um, Everybody needs to know how to do that. And, you know, yes, even your 10-year-old can budget his $10 $10 allowance or earnings from doing chores around mm-hmm. the house. And so teach them how to do that, how to track their spending as part of that, and then know where the money goes. Um, and then how to save for large purchases, you know? I mean, what, where, how to put money aside, save 50% of their money or 25%, you know, however you want to do it, and save for the big things down the road. Or, you know, save the money to go into the, you know, the offering play at church, you know? I mean, so teach them how to allocate their money and save it. <clears throat> So that was number four. And then the next one here on the list is what does it mean to be in debt? You know, a a large percentage of the population, unfortunately, believe that debt is simply a fact of life. And you have to realize that there's a whole nother smarter group of society out there that are very successful people who learn early on to operate completely debt free. And it should be your goal as well, even though you may not be debt-free, but it's something that you can instill in your children early on so that they can experience financial freedom from the start and they don't start off with huge debts. Yeah, I would put Dave Ramsey in that category. Obviously, he's yep. a huge no-debt kind of guy, So, um, and he's done very well. And, um, you know, it's biblical when you look at it. That's exactly right. Yeah, your children need to realize that anything you pay for over time 
and you don't pay for it all at once is dead. And it carries some significant consequences. Worse yet, I mean, it's a trap that'll snare you for life. So you need to avoid that at all costs. So that was in five. And then number, next one here on the list is, what does it mean to pay taxes and fees? You know, most older children, they'll know what the word taxes mean in theory, but they won't really understand the consequences. So, you know, I've actually heard of a of, of a couple who um, charged late fees to their kids if they didn't do their chores on time. Maybe handling fee on birthday money. Yeah, and I've, <laughs> I've also heard of them actually charging a tax to their kids. They'll, they'll pay them a little extra and make them pay some of it back so they get the feeling of what taxes are. You know? yeah, wow. yeah. So, I mean, that's an interesting way of doing it. So, yeah, I mean, kids, you know, they learn, they can learn a valuable lesson early on and learn the painful consequences by of, of their actions by really hitting them where it hurts. So yeah. I think that's one way of doing Teach it. Teach them taxes early. There you go. <laughs> I think you just lost two small listeners out of the leopard family. <laughs> Ouch. Well, we want to teach them to be, you know, conservative Republicans and be against taxes. So that's one way of doing it. That's right. Uh, number seven here on the list is how to buy used items. I mean, kids need to know that you don't have to buy everything brand new great uh resources out there goodwill stores is a good one ebay garage sales um estate sales you can buy things for the a fraction of their cost and you know you have to realize that it doesn't have to be perfect um you know our kids have gone into to goodwill to buy clothes our our, our son in particular had such growth spurts that we were not going to go buy him new clothes. It just made no sense at all. So we would buy him a pair of slacks that he would wear two or three times, and then they're gone. So That's you know, great. there's a lot of things out there. eBay is a great, great place. And I know you're uh, a friend of eBay, right? I am, John. You know, I buy almost all my golf clubs off eBay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, those are those are a want, by the way. They're not really yeah. a need, although oh, I good. feel like they're a need sometimes. I'm glad you had that clarified. Yeah, right. That but, disclaimer uh, with it. But, you know, it's funny. My kids love going to Goodwill. And they buy like these fun clothes at Goodwill for like two bucks. Mm-hmm. They'll buy a shirt that you'd never buy, and they'll wear it to some party. You know, they'll just—it's a fun place for them. They love going and buying secondhand stuff. Well, a lot of the jeans today have holes and rips in them, so I mean, it's they're just in that. style. They're yeah, customized, perfect. ready yeah. to go. Yeah, exactly. That's a good one. All right, next one here is the meaning of compound interest. You know, I mean, this is likely a lesson for older kids, but it, it's. But like buying stocks or buying investments, you know, it's good preparation for the future. Um, They need to understand what it means. You know, you can teach them how to calculate compound interest and basically, you know, give them the lesson that the earlier they invest, the better off they'll be over time. You know, compound interest makes a huge difference. So do the math for them. Show them how it works over time and how they can save for the future using compound interest. You know, and quickly, even small kids can get this concept like with a snowball. You know how we talk about the debt snowball. You can also talk about the interest snowball and really show it how it accumulates more as you go down the road there. Exactly. That's a good one. Next one here is how to use credit wisely. Now, credit is not something that we really, you know, advocate that you that you uh, instill in your kids to use. But having said that, they need to know how a credit card works. Um, you know, they, they need to know that it's it does not free money, right? They let them know that, you know, whenever you swipe that card, you have to pay it off at the end of the month completely. Um, you know, they're probably going to have a credit card when they get older, certainly. So, you know, let them know that if they don't pay it off, there's going to be consequences. There's going to be interest charge. There's going to be late fees, lots of other fees. So they should have an understanding of interest and fees from the lessons above. And, you know, it all comes full circle. So they need to know how that works. 
Yeah, I had a friend in college who had a 0% credit card, got a free T-shirt, and it cost him (laughs) $10,000. That's a long story. Ouch. (laughs) All right, moving on. Number 10 says what it means to buy a stock or a mutual fund. You know, even younger children can understand the concept of investing. Explain to them when they buy stock, they actually are buying a small portion of the company. Uh, They have ownership. If the company does well... They, look, they make a little money because they're par- partial owners. Uh, if it doesn't do well, then they lose a little bit of money. So, you know, uh, don't have them actually buy it, but you can do what's called paper trading and just kind of track the stock, you know, and, and you can watch the, the ups and downs. Uh, exactly. How it fluctuates. Yeah, get them excited about investing early. I, I love that. You know, I, I sold my kids little pieces of, of investments that I had. I just sold it to them on paper. I said, you know, yeah. you give me your 200 bucks. And I just, on paper, I gave them a piece of that. Right, right. And then they got to track it. And then at the end of it, when they needed the money back, I gave them whatever the value was. So you, you actually gave them a, a small stock certificate, eh? Basically, yeah. <laughs> I underwrote a stock certificate, you know, for, for something Did that I Did you charge them a holding fee or <laughs> I didn't. You know, I didn't charge them any commissions. I gave them a great deal. I really did. Wow. And, you know, so I actually underwrote it, it, too. So they lost money. I was going to cover them. But it didn't. It made money. So good for them. That was good. Yeah, so also teach them what it means to be greedy versus having ambition. You know, I mean, most children, they, they can understand the feeling of greed, and especially in terms of not wanting to share toys, maybe even for young children. However, they need to understand the consequences of greed and the difference it, uh, between greed and ambition. Explain to them what happens if one person hoards all the resources and other people resent it. But at the same time, I mean, teaching them, teach them to be giving instead of greedy, and and but driven to accomplish their God-given purpose. So you know that's the kind of ambition they need. So that was number eleven. Last one here on the list is how to donate wisely. Um, you know, your children are they're going to come across a lot of people who want them to donate money, right? So teach them how to research a charity or a company and how to be giving to someone in need, how to make those distinctions and how to find the the people that truly are in need, you know, rather than just giving to everybody they ask. So ultimately, as a parent, you know, teaching your kids about money is probably one of the most important gifts that you can ever give them. Smart money management will set them up for a lifetime of stability and freedom. Um, you know, it'll allow them to be free from debt and all the things that young people get into when they start their adult life. Yeah, so, it says in the Bible, train up a child and they will they will follow. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's in Second Timothy, I think. So good. Good. Good one. All right. And that leads to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call during regular business hours. Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back at these messages and general news. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leopard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And uh, we are leading off our uh, second segment here with a new topic, and that is the 10 reasons to think about international equity. But actually, we're going to 
the question. Do the question of the week yeah, first. We'll, yes. we'll uh, slip this one in since we uh, ran over a little bit last last segment. It has to do with kids and money. Um, kind of a theme today a little bit. And so the question is, is my kids receive money for birthdays and Christmas. Um, should they just keep it in a savings account or should they invest it? And, and uh, kind of a short answer is, um, you know, long-term money should be invested even for kids. Think about three envelopes, giving saving and then spending and so what we did with our kids is 10 percent giving saving was 15 percent and that that was actually done in the stock market even at four and they didn't understand what was going on yeah but we invested in mutual funds and as they got older it was a teaching opportunity and it's grown significantly since that time so i would say invest a portion of it yeah just like our last segment we talked about it's one of the skills you need to teach your kids so i think investing you know, in a mutual fund mm-hmm. or, you know, even just peeling off a piece of what you own if it's not a, not enough money to actually go buy something separate um, and just tracking it on paper, I yeah. think, is a great way to do it, you yeah. know. But, yeah, teach your kids about investing and let them invest. 80% behavior, 20% knowledge. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Start, Start them early and get that behavior already moving in the right direction. Yeah. And you can do that in a custodial account. It's just where the parent's name is on the account and, exactly. and the child's name as well. So that's yeah. a pretty good so, option. Yeah. I think practically if it's a couple thousand dollars, that's when you can really go mm-hmm. out and buy something and have some economies of scale and, and not get hit too hard on yep. you know commissions or expenses. Yep. So great question. All right, and that leads up to our, our next topic here, and that is the 10 reasons to consider international equity investing. You know, I mean, investing in foreign stocks. I mean, people, you know, today tend to focus all on the U.S., mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, there, there's over half of the world, uh, the investable assets out there are in international stocks, right, John? That's right. This is a great uh, article from Fidelity, and, um, you know, when you invest internationally, uh, you know, there are some currency risks that you have to be aware of. It can be a little bit more uh, volatile, and there has to be a good diversified portfolio for this to fit into. So you have to make sure, you know, talk to your advisor, make sure this fits for you. But um, international investing, you know, it offers significant growth potential along with both, um, you know, geographical and currency diversification. Um, But after a strong six-year bull market for U.S. stocks, many portfolios may be under allocate, allocated or have no international stock. So it's something you want to look at, and that can cause some investors to uh, uh, you know fall short of achieving their investment objectives. So we have 10 uh, items here, and uh, guys, I'm going out of order a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm going to start on number 10, and we can actually just end the segment after number 10. Because we could just, we could just be done. Kind of summarize the just whole kind thing. of summarize so the whole thing. Just kind of give them the punchline. Yeah, we'll you be done. We'll, okay, we'll, go uh, ahead. We'll get go everybody for out it. Early, so. so one thing you were saying there, John, too, is that you could look at it as the international market has been on sale for six years. That's right. Exactly. Right? You're right. I mean, and so number ten here on the list is, um, you know, and it should have been number one, but superior risk-adjusted returns and diversification. So here are the stats. This goes back from 1950 to 2014. So. You know, 60-plus years of data in a globally balanced um, portfolio consisting of 70% U.S., 30% international has provided provided higher absolute returns and lower volatility. That's it. That's the moral of the story, isn't it? So when you add international into the portfolio, when you look back historically, it's increased the return and it's decreased the volatility. And that's, this is over a long period of time. Very you know, long. It's, it's 65 years or so. So yeah, over short periods of time, that may not be true. And over the last 
probably you know five years that certainly hasn't been true. Absolutely. The Nationals have done poorly. Absolutely. But you gotta you gotta look long term and set yourself up to have the best chance mm-hmm. to achieve your results. And international stocks long term help you in that that That's pursuit. Right. And that gives us leads us into the next one is um, is um, you know market leadership uh, rotates. I mean historically international and U.S. stock performance. Leadership has been cyclical. It has periods of leadership uh, that usually last several years. And really, for most of the post-financial crisis period, U.S. stocks, uh, the S&P 500 index, has been in the leadership group and has outperformed the international sector really over the last couple of years. But, you know, they have a chart in here that you look back, and it goes back to 1975, and it shows usually long periods of time that international underperforms U.S., and then it shows other periods of time where international outperforms the U.S. So a diversified portfolio, you know, if you do want to decrease volatility, adding some international in there helps to reduce that uh, that volatility. So right now, U.S. has been strong. 2015, we started to see international turn a little bit. Uh, we certainly not trying to predict anything here by any means, but um, just looking back at history, you can kind of gather and, and draw some conclusions. Yeah, and one of the keys to that is the next point here is that the valuations on international stocks now are very attractive compared to the U.S. Um, because, you know, it does go through cycles, and we've been through a, a, a pretty long cycle here of U.S. outperforming internationals, meaning they've gotten more expensive than internationals. So, um, you know, so non-U.S. equities remain attractively value compared to the long-term price-to-earnings ratio or P.E. ratio, as you might be familiar with. So relative to the U.S., um, P.E. multiples are, are, are very favorable for international stocks, um, particularly for emerging markets, Europe and Japan. They're probably about 30% cheaper, you mm-hmm. know, if you look overall, um, than the U.S. So that's a good reason to add some internationals in your portfolio if you don't have any. Yeah, that's right. That's that's number two on the list. Number three is, um, you know, if you look at monetary policy, and it's been easing around the world. I mean, at least 30 central banks around the globe eased monetary policy during uh, the first quarter uh, of this year, including some of the world's largest economies, you, you know, Eurozone, Japan, China, and so forth. And that makes money uh, easier to get, which typically helps uh, the economies and so forth. So uh, that's in contrast, the U.S. is looking at actually reversing that. They're looking to start increasing uh, the interest rates as well and, and tightening monetary policy. So there's some stimulative effect internationally of having cheap money out there. So it's, that's another reason that Fidelity kind of points to that. Yeah, number four shows us that, you know, this has kind of been the year uh, up to this point that international stocks have outperformed the U.S. in 2015. Uh, cyclical market leadership for international stocks may have already begun, as shown in the table below that we're looking at. Uh, Japan, Europe, and emerging market equity markets are solidly ahead of the U.S. market so far through the year. Uh, while it's too soon to tell if this is the start of a multi-year cycle of outperformance of non-U.S. stocks. Investors who are underexposed to international equities, they may be missing out on opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know, like you were saying, if they haven't been uh, buying any throughout the last six years, then they could be missing out whenever things do shift uh, in an upswing toward international. Yeah, that's right. Again, we're not trying to predict the future here. We're just looking at some of the trends and uh, looking at some of the history as well. Number five here is lower correlations. Uh, Following 2008 financial crisis, 
the correlation between U.S. and international stocks, it reached record highs. And what we've seen in recent years is correlations have been trending down and today are approaching pre-2007 levels uh, due in part to lower systematic global risk and greater economic divergence across companies So, or countries. Uh, lower correlations provide increased diversification benefits. That just means that when one is, is up, maybe the other one is, is not up as much, and, and it helps to decrease the volatility. So lower correlations is a good thing. Yeah, definitely. The next one here is the cyclical outlook for Europe um, is positive. You know, the Eurozone has been demonstrating some signs of emerging from the recent slowdown into a more broader mid-cycle expansion that they call it, you know, buoyed by improving credit um, and monetary cycles. And if you look at the the, the dollar has, in the U.S. has been very strong um here recently and that that trend's likely to change you know in the future at some point here and that's and that's happened so far this year a little bit and and that also provides some some pressure if you will for internationals to outperform us so you know nobody knows here but i mean there's been a lot of stimulus in international stocks they're starting to stimulus whereas the us is starting to pull back stimulus um, so the cyclical outlook for Europe really is more positive than the U.S. at the moment. Yeah, right, right. And uh, the next one here on the list is kind of in the same theme of seeing uh, real signs of, uh, of change in Japan, thanks in large part to a uh, quantitative easing measures and a long-awaited corporate governance, governance improvements, Japanese stocks um, may be undervalued relative to their global peers. I mean, these changes, along with a pickup in the economy, may continue to lead to um, to positive results for the Japanese companies. So uh, I think we've got a, coming up on a break here. We'll cover the other couple ones here when we uh, when we come back. Yeah, but if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call during regular business hours, Richard Young Associates, at 706-739-0725. You're listening to MoneyMD. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leopard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And uh, we are continuing our discussion here before the break about. Um, ten reasons why you need to consider international investing. Um, you know, it's a big part of a diversified investment strategy. Yeah, it really is. And this is a great uh, look from uh, Fidelity. And, um, and, you know, again, we're not trying to predict the future here. We just look back at historical trends. Um, some of the data shows that uh, adding international actually will increase the return over a long period of time and decrease the volatility. That is a good that's a good add to a portfolio. It is. You want to give yourself every chance possible to 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 you know to, make a good win. return yep. and to lower your risk and and we history shows international investing over time increases your odds of having lower volatility. Yeah, That's the other really piece the of the equation point. is it kind of ties into that is um, the the leadership between the U.S. and international, it rotates. I mean, 
the U.S. has certainly outperformed the international in the last couple of years. But looking back historically, there are long periods of time that international does better than the U.S. So having that as a part of the portfolio, it just makes sense. It makes sense to be diversified. And, Gordon, you have a good one, uh, some more stats of, of why international is a good place to be. Yeah, this actually shows the potential of investment opportunities outside of the U.S. I, many investors don't realize how large the international investment opportunity really is, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, Non-U.S. markets represent 75% of the world's gross domestic product, 74% of publicly listed companies, and more than half of global stock market capitalization. What's more is 32 out of the 50 best-performing stocks in the world over the last 10 years have come outside the U.S., believe it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've thought that we've, we're such a, a powerhouse for so long. Things have really shifted uh, over the last 10 to 15 years that there is a lot more going on outside of the U.S. and a lot more opportunity there. It kind of ties into the, the last one here is stronger projected growth in emerging markets. I mean, when you look at GDP, it's a, it's a growth indicator um, and potential equity returns. And, you know, since in 2001, the U.S. accounted for about 33% of global GDP, but by 2013, it only represented 23%. And that number is decreasing every single year. So the U.S. is becoming less. Um, you know, uh, influential is still very, you know, uh, provides a lot of um, uh, capital and returns into the market, but there's a lot out there in international as well. So something to consider. Um, you know, we, we're big believers in diversification, and um, we do have international in our portfolios, and the reason is, um, you know, these 10 reasons right here. Yeah, great topic. Okay, and that leads us up here to our prescription of the week. Yeah, we'll make this one quick. Um, if you're tired of getting solicitation calls, two, uh, two uh, numbers here, actually one number and a website, um, go to do not call.gov. You can put your phone numbers in there, and that will end them. Or you can also call 888-382-1222 to opt out. So. You know, we yeah. get call, calls and all the time at our house. It's permanent. It's permanent. You know, they used to only go like five years. Now it's permanent. So it's a one-time thing, and your your phone number is secure, supposedly. Now you'll yeah. still get some calls, yeah. but, you know, it'll cut out the majority of them. So yeah. good prescription of the week. Okay, and that leads up to our last topic here, and that is before you retire – you want to see your dentist and then your financial advisor, right, Gordon? There you go. Make a dentist appointment if you're thinking <laughs> about retiring. Uh, this is just a helpful tip. Why, why is that, Gordon? Uh, well, um, maybe because of the cost that are associated yeah. with it and the way that Medicare does or does not assist you so in that you know, in do, that area. So. so things do change when you retire. You've got to be aware of this. Absolutely. And, you know, people don't have as much coverage uh, usually with their benefits moving into retirement. And I may be jumping the gun here a little bit, but, you know, just um, – and, and even benefit packages, they change. We're even seeing that happen locally with a particular company mm-hmm. where they're making some benefit changes that's going to affect over 4,200 people, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and that's Ouch. including retirees, active employees, and people that have separated from service, you know. So th- this is a, a pretty important one right here. Visit your dentist. You know, if you plan to retire soon, add this to your to-do list. A visit to your dentist before uh, your dental insurance disappears or make sure it's a defined line item 
in your budget. You know, some people, they just they overlook these things until uh, they're actually receiving bills for them, mm-hmm. and they're having to pay for it more out of pocket. Retirees transitioning to Medicare are often surprised to learn that the program does not cover routine dental care or more complex procedures. Yeah, and, you know, that's a fact. I mean, overall, the percentage is 40% of 65 or older uh, uh, adults they have some form of dental benefit, according to the National Association of Dental Plans. That's only 40%, so 60% don't. You know, I mean, for seniors who use Medicare Advantage, um, you know, in their managed care plan, about half of them offer limited coverage for cleanings and exams. A small percentage of seniors have dental insurance from a former employer. Um, Medicaid, if you're, you know, low-income, uh, you know, residents in some states, can have some coverage. But, you know, as some some people buy commercial plans to cover them through the Association of, you know, Retired People, AARP. Most seniors simply pay it out of pocket, though, you know. I mean, the mean expense for Americans 65 and older was $870 in 2012, according to the, the Agency for Healthcare Research. Um, so, you know, the point is you're probably going to have to pay it out of pocket. So if you still got coverage before you retire, yeah, you might want to get it, right? I want to use it. Yeah, and some of the complex procedures are a lot more expensive. The cost of a crown in New York City is about 2500 bucks. Um, and uh, a periodontal procedure in Los Angeles cost about seventeen hundred. So um, you know th- those are big numbers. Well, before we before we make some of our listeners sweat too much, you know, I visited. I went to a website, uh, the one that we just uh, referenced there. Um, fairhealthconsumer.org mm-hmm. and I looked up what those same procedures would average roughly in our area. Um, the, the crown is roughly $1,300 just over $1,300 and a periodontal uh, procedure will only set you back about 250 to $500 depending on how many teeth are involved in the actual procedure. And then a simple cleaning will only cost you about $87.50. But, there again, that's still yeah. money that you have to account for. Yeah, absolutely. You know, make sure that's, that it's there. Yeah, and those, those numbers help explain why 34% of seniors uh, had not seen a dentist in two years in 2010, and 22% had gone without care for the past five years. That's according to the Kaiser Family Foundation. Wow. I mean, dental care is conspicuously absent from the health care coverage for older adults. Um, so you know you get you got to think about that. This is a this is a great thought going into retirement. That is is important, isn't it, Steve? It is. You know, I mean, uh, Medicare celebrating its fiftieth anniversary here um, this year, and you know, adding basic dental coverage is on the wish list for a lot of you know policy experts that are you know talking about the future of Medicare. But as we just talked about earlier, you know, there's no money to yeah. add anything to no. Medicare. It's going to be cut. It's not going to have additions to it, I think, in all likelihood. So, you know, research shows a clear link between poor poor oral health and diabetes and heart disease. I mean, one out of four Medicare beneficiaries has has indentualism, I guess what they call it, where, you know, basically they don't have any natural teeth, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation, and that causes other health issues, you know. So you just need to take care of your teeth, and you can't expect Medicare to pick that up and cover it down the road. That's right. That's right. You know, and and one of the big... um issues here is the pricing option you know but there are some answers there are some reasonable plans out there ppo plans cost around 15 dollars per month um and individual coverage is not as robust as the group plans 
but you know there there's still there's some options um also dental insurers have been negotiating with the federal government to offer individual standalone dental plans uh through the affordable care act uh exchange in hopes of offering you know that that these will start appearing in uh, 2016 2017 yeah and dental plans are available on some of the exchanges now but they can only be purchased along with general health insurance which basically you know effectively cuts out seniors who most of them are you know they're covered by by medicare Right. Yeah. I mean, consumer advocates are pushing for Medicare to pay for dental care that's made necessary by other procedures um, that the program does cover. Um, The CMA, the Center for Medicare Advocacy, uh, it's a nonprofit. You know, they filed lawsuits on behalf of cancer patients who have been denied coverage for dental procedures made necessary due to the aggressive radiation, you know, the head and neck and that kind of stuff. But you know, the fact is, um, again, I mean, I don't think Medicare is going to be able to absorb any additional yeah, costs for for this type of these either. type of expenses. That's right. Things are very tight, and unless we make some uh, some serious adjustments there, and even in our Social Security system, you know, we're we're going to be facing some real challenges. So, you know, um, they they've started litigating. Uh, against some of these type cases to try to gain some coverage from, um, you know, some side effects uh, from certain procedures. But, you know, so far they haven't they haven't been successful. And and I don't know that they will be. Yeah, uh, I don't, in these I don't cases. think they're going to be adding coverage for that. So the point is, you know, before you retire, you can take advantage of what benefits you do have, right? I mean, if you have coverage for for dental and coverage for your eye exams right. i mean you need to go get all that done and i, and I think that's a great point it's, it's a, a, a bigger picture here you know go ahead and look at some of these other areas whether it's your eyes whether it's your teeth other health areas you know just kind of take a big picture look and that's one thing that we help people do in exactly. the planning process yeah so come see a financial advisor as well you know make all those decisions make some smart choices before you retire you know don't find out abruptly after retire that you've lost all the opportunities to to get these things taken care of that's right so good point okay well that brings us to a close for this week's edition of money md tune in next saturday from 9 to 10 a.m again to hear more prescriptions for your financial health do check us out on our website moneymd.net email us your questions we'd love to hear from you you can email us directly at info moneymd.net or give us a call during regular business hours richard young associates 706-739-0725 thanks for listening have a great weekend Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Jesus is dead.